Welcome to our podcast, We Got the Nod. A new and bold internet radio show designed for those who are on a conscious path of awakening. We are here to uplift and inspire you, to share practical tools and techniques to assist you stepping into your highest expression as spirit having a human experience. We will get raw and real, sharing kundalini yoga, music, poetry, and mantra, and so much more. Let us open our hearts and minds to our true potential, making the impossible possible, the surreal real. Let's begin. Greetings. From Lago Atitlan, Guatemala, this is Charles Preston, the Jesus Kirtan Church co-founder. I want to speak today about um, our mission, what we feel is the core to our mission, that is helping others like us who took the, the New Age path, the alternative healing path, the shamanic path, etc., <clears throat> to, to healing, to self-realization, and of course encountered all kinds of obstacles, difficulties, betrayals, trauma, etc., eventually hopefully, as in our case, being led back to God, to Christ, rebirth in, in Christ, Jesus, the Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. So today I want to speak about that famous saying from the, from the 60s, in the early 70s, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. <laughs> A lot of us were fascinated. I certainly was. I was born in the 60s, so I don't remember too well this incredible movement that happened when it was happening, although I was witness to it as a young boy. Uh, I'm referring, of course, to the what I call the go golden era, which began around 1967 and came to a end around 74 mid 70s in that period that seven year period incredible changes happened on every level on every front culture of course music all of the best music that we still listen to a lot of it was seated and of course recorded. I still feel some of the best music was recorded during that period. And with this explosion in culture and consciousness, of course, there was a, a huge expansion in, in spirituality and a yearning for, for meaning and, of course, for God. So growing up, I was 
continually looking back at this period with fascination. I remember when a documentary came out, it's probably sometime in the 80s on PBS in the States called Making Sense of the 60s. Excellent documentary. I want to get a copy of this. In fact, if you know, if you have a copy, let me know. It's about, I'd say about eight hours, maybe more, documenting this whole decade, um, starting in the early 60s. So giving us a backdrop, what led to this explosion, this revolution of, of consciousness and culture in the late 60s. And what I missed, to a large extent, looking back, was the Jesus revolution. Uh, the, at the time, and this was in, uh, the, the epicenter of this movement, because that's what they called it, the Jesus movement, was in California. And a movie just came out <laughs> on my birthday, <laughs> coincidentally, the end of February this year, 2023, called The Jesus Revolution. Incredible film. I rec highly recommend it. I want everyone to see it. In fact, I'm going to see it again and again because it is a masterpiece. An incredible document of that time and that the magic, the majesty of that moment. It was a revival. Hmm? Or we could even say a rapture. Yes. Revivals don't come along every year. <laughs> or even every decade. In fact, some, especially those who were there, people like Greg Laurie, who's still preaching, had a start at that time with the Jesus Revolution. Some are saying that this, this time now... At this time now, i.e. 20, 22, 23, is the, the first revival that has taken place since the early 70s. In fact, you may, you may have heard about Asbury College in Kentucky, the Bible school and the chapel. Mm-hmm. Recently, they had uh, a revival that just went on and on for several weeks. And people were coming first from all over Kentucky, then from all over the United States, and even from, yeah, across the planet to this school in Kentucky to experience firsthand the presence of God in this chapel. Um, and, and like the same manifestation that happened in 1970, it spread. Students were moving outwards to other parts of the country and taking this revival, this rapture with them. And other chapels, other schools were, were being infected, kind of like a virus, <laughs> the most beautiful <laughs> virus, which is God, Jesus Christ, uh, bestowing and the Holy Spirit, of course, bestowing their blessings, their healing power, unlike anything else I've ever experienced. Yes, Krista and I experienced it here in Guatemala, the Sound Temple, 
right at the same time. It was it was a miracle, and it is a miracle. And Greg Laurie, one of the founders of this movement, really said that it was because of the Time magazine article. There was a front page article. It's a long article, well worth reading, uh, that came out in 1970. Yeah, Jesus was on the cover of Time magazine, and they called it the Jesus Revolution. You know, so that's how that the name came in and stayed. And um, so, what was happening? What what was the root cause of this revolution? Because it happened in California, remember? And I knew this, like you know, a long time ago that California was the epicenter for the the flower power, right? Free love, um, LSD, you know, let, let's drop out, you know, get high, you know, and make love, not war. You know, the anti-war movement, all of this, California was, everybody was going to the, to the coast, right? People were leaving their families and their school and their jobs to go west to California. Songs were written about this. And of course, eventually, some of the hippies moved from California east, such as the uh, the ones that started the farm, the famous commune in Tennessee, one of the first communes called the farm. Yeah, that started in California. The reason I keep coming back to the hippies is because we're seeing a parallel phenomenon happening right now in California, all over the world which has to do with sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Yes, Greg Laurie, uh, Lonnie Frisbee, all the, the main players, uh, besides Chuck Smith, <laughs> he was the pastor that, that gave them the opportunity to, to have a space, a real church, to, to begin this, this crusade. Um, all of these... <laughs> Some fireworks outside. All of these hippies were already turning on to marijuana and LSD. They were doing a lot of LSD. In fact, Lonnie Frisbee, for example, according to his autobiography, he encountered Jesus while tripping on LSD. And it's worth mentioning here that Jesus did come to me, not once, but at least three times, three different plant medicine ceremonies, he came to my rescue in very dark moments uh, while, while tripping on various plant medicines, including psilocybin and ayahuasca. Greg Laurie, the pastor, spoke about his first bad acid trip Anybody who's taken LSD, because I, I took my first uh, LSD, I took two hits actually the first time when I was 15. Everyone who's taken LSD knows that, that what a bad trip is. And, and that's what shifted Greg Laurie away from the drugs. Because a bad trip on LSD can be super scary right? and very real. Uh, I know, because I, I went through that myself. Uh, in my case, there, there, were, there were sexual overtones. I felt like I was being stalked. And it's interesting, because 
I was stalked as, as a young uh, adolescent, around 14, 15. I had no idea. I was so innocent. I didn't even know such a thing existed, like that there, that there were men, older men, who were stalking young boys like myself. That was a huge wake-up call. So, coming back to that famous line, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Of course, everybody wanted to party. That was the thing. So a lot of these hippies, and this is one thing I learned from, from doing some research from the last golden era, not everyone was mm, pure in their intent for, for self-realization and you know, spiritual growth. A lot of them were just in it for the party. <laughs> Free drugs, great music, and lots of sex. Right? They were young. Right? They, were, they wanted to experiment, and the drugs were fueling this exploration into polyamory, perhaps... Yeah, bisexual orgies, all of this, you know. And of course, at the same time, sexually transmitted diseases started to increase. Um, at that time, syphilis, gonorrhea uh, became somewhat of an issue. This is before AIDS, still. <laughs> Long before AIDS. And, and the music, of course, was fueling this too. A lot of songs were about these themes, about getting high, making love, you know, freedom. Of course, freedom was a huge theme in, in the culture at that time. And so we hear this from a lot of these, the hippies of that era, that there was a certain arrogance. They felt that they knew everything, that they were smarter, they were wiser, that the LSD and the mushrooms and other drugs and plant medicines were opening their awareness in ways that straight people could not understand. You know, so they, they created their own culture. <laughs> More fireworks. They created their own community and their own culture. And, and there was a certain arrogance, like, we're cool, right? And, and they, they were easy to spot because, they, of course, they had long hair, both the men and the women. The men often had long beards, too. They, they, they were dressing... This is interesting. <laughs> Their dress kind of resembled how we, we perceived Jesus and people of his era. You know, long robes and... Uh, you know, simple attire, wearing sandals or just going barefoot. Mm. And yet, most hippies, even then, in the late 60s, were not talking about Jesus. Again, they associated Jesus with religion, organized religion, church, boring, you know. <laughs> Again, organization, uh, authority, you know, the man, anything to, anything to do with authority and structure was taboo. So hippies were not going to church at all. 
by and large. And yet, this yearning and the pain, the way Greg Laurie describes it, is that, that the LSD and marijuana and all these various substances did open his awareness. It opened, they opened his awareness to his own misery, his pain. He was not happy. And eventually that would lead him to God and, and many other hippies. It was a huge movement. Again, watch the movie because I have a fascination with baptism. I have for a long time, especially when it's done in natural waters, the ocean, in a river, in a lake. And I have performed, uh, I was going to say abortion, that's funny, Freudian slip there. Yeah, I used to be pro-abortion, too, when I was uh, liberal. Not anymore. Baptism. I have performed some baptisms. And now, of course, having surrendered to Jesus, my Lord and Savior, I, I take this privilege in a much more sacred way than ever, you know, if and when the time comes to, to give baptism again, is... For me, one of the most sacred ceremonies. And uh, these scenes in, in the Pacific Ocean, a place called Pirate's Cove, where a lot of these hippies were being baptized, and people of all ages, uh, was beautiful. And here's just one little side note. Apparently when they made the movie last year, some of the extras that were uh, employed to, to shoot the scenes, the baptism scenes in the ocean, they, they had real awakening on, you know, making the, the film. They, they realized Christ consciousness and, and, and gave their lives over to, to Jesus <laughs> because of the movie, because of being hired to, to, to be extras on the film. I think that's a beautiful story. I love it. Um, also, we've heard from this and other movies that have been coming out. There's a few films, Jesus-themed films that have come out recently, and people are having spontaneous deliverance <laughs> right in the cinema. Yeah, watching the movie. Hmm. So now let's fast forward again to present day, 2023. What's happening now? Yeah, there are a lot of disenfranchised, frustrated young people today. I see them every day here in, in San Marcos, of course. And in my work as a yoga teacher, sound healing therapist, etc. I've been witnessing this uh, phenomenon for some time. But again, we can see the parallel now between this moment and late 60s. Of course, there are differences too, but this theme, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, I'm seeing it very clearly now. WGTN Guatemala. Hola, we are Satkirtan and Hariram from the School of Nod, located in the beautiful Sound Temple San Marcos 
on the shores of Lake Atitlan in Guatemala. We are pleased to announce that after a year and several months of hosting in-person sound facilitator trainings, we are now offering our training course online. Yes, you are still welcome to join us here in the Sound Temple Dome for a three-week in-person experience that is truly transformational, as per the testimonies we have gathered from past students. However, if you are not able to travel here for whatever reason, we have good news for you. This past summer, we took the time to record and compile the 10 modules and all relevant resource material included in this 30-hour certification training and developed it as a comprehensive six-week online program. This program is a hybrid of pre-recorded materials along with live ceremony calls and ongoing support through a WhatsApp group chat. Several students have already completed the course and the results they are witnessing in their professional practice have been extraordinary. We invite you to check out our testimonials from recent graduates to hear for yourself and visit our website to learn more. That's www.schoolofnod.com. We thank you for listening. Now, back to the podcast. WGTN Guatemala. The music, for the most part, sucks. <laughs> Can't compare the music, really, today with the music from the last golden era, late 60s. However, of course, these kids are fascinated with music. Now it's... It's techno, right? It's the DJ has become God in a sense, right? If if you see uh, these DJs, how they promote themselves, or, or if you go to a a rave, you know, ecstatic dance, you'll see the D, the DJ is not on the side somewhere in the back, you know, spinning the songs or programming. Now, of course, programming the playlist. No, he or she is front and center on stage, literally. They have become the focus because there's no band. Yeah, <laughs> Where the band used to be, now it's the DJ. And maybe two DJs. <laughs> and they've created for themselves this whole mm, <laughs> culture around the DJ. The DJ as God, or at least as prophet, you know. Look at the promotions. And they're playing a lot of uh, digital music, I would call it. A lot of it is techno, which I, I do not enjoy myself. Uh, I prefer acoustic music, like the kind we heard back in the 60s. I mention this because mainly because of the yeah, that, that theme from the late 60s, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Now we wouldn't call it rock and roll, would we? But the music is still a big part of it. Yes. Because the, the young people today are going to these raves, these ecstatic dance events that often go late into the night, sometimes right to the next morning to daylight 
next day. And, of course, it's taking drugs. They're taking drugs so they can stay up all night, feel the power, right? feel the, the energy of this <laughs> techno trance music. Yeah, they're taking uh, ecstasy, which is made in the laboratory, basically, MMMDA, whatever. <laughs> so, used to come from nature, but they, they, they've created a synthetic version. In fact, a lot of the drugs are synthetic. This is interesting as well as a side note, because, again, I see the music as, to a large degree, as synthetic. The drugs, to a large degree now, are synthetic. You see the difference, the parallel? 60s, the music was more acoustic. <laughs> there were maybe The only electronics, really, back then, in terms of music, was the, the Hammond B3 organ, you know, things like that, or plugging in the guitar, electric guitar. Otherwise, the music was organic, acoustic. The drugs were mostly organic, natural, marijuana, even LSD. You know, it, of course, came from uh, from an accident from the crops. But magic mushrooms—they weren't—they weren't really into the lab thing. Well, it was start. It started then. It started with LSD. Right? They started making it in. in in laboratories and in basements and such, right? There were some famous stories, and of course, Hyde Ashbury, Grateful Dead, and so on, making huge you know, sheets of LSD to feed all the deadheads. But by and large, it was you know natural grass. You know, it wasn't hydroponic. Uh, hashish coming in from Middle East, Lebanon, and other places, Kashmir. I know because I I was uh, turned on to some of these things. I was I feel very fortunate because uh, when I started taking some of these substances in the late seventies, there was some good good stuff right coming in from from Colombia, from Hawaii, from Lebanon. All the hashish was coming from you know from Middle East, Libya, Afghanistan, etc. And the last thing, of course, sex. We mentioned the drugs. We mentioned the music. Sex. What's happened now, as opposed to the late 60s? Polyamory. Yeah, they didn't have a name for it back then. Didn't have a name. If people were having multiple sex partners back then, it was it would be called an orgy or maybe polygamy. You know, but polyamory came in later. I don't know if the first person coined this term, but of course, polyamory refers to many loves, amor, poly. So they coined this to to legitimize swinging. Right? Yeah, so these are called in the 60s, the adults, of course, swinging. They went to these parties, right, with wife swapping. <laughs> yeah, yes, it was more of a patriarchal kind of, well, they didn't call it husband swapping, they call it wife swapping, yes. Swinging. Swinging then, over time, became something else, became polyamory. And some books came out, some lectures, mostly, of course, 
uh, originating, yes, in California, the Bay Area, San Francisco. But I, I met one of the uh, teachers. She's, she's passed away now, but she was based in uh, San Francisco. Polly Amory is anti-God. Dancing all night to techno music while high on ecstasy and LSD, in my view, is also anti-God. See the pattern emerging? <laughs> in other words, all of these activities that have become quite popular yeah, in, with the younger culture today, the younger generations, are not moving towards God. No, quite the opposite. So even with yoga and kirtan, for example, there these children, I call them kids because they're, you know, they're young enough to be my children, and they're pledging allegiance to deities that they really know nothing about, right? Or very little about Shiva, Kali, Ganesha, <laughs> a god figure who has an elephant head. And there's Hanuman, half monkey, half human. You know. And with the shamanic traditions, of course, the animistic is a very big part of that. I, too, I, I, I went through that same process of really getting in touch with my totem helpers, which is somewhat redundant, because totem, from my studies actually means friend or ally. Normally in the shamanic traditions, we associate totem with, with animal helpers. Yeah. We can't say animal totem, because it's an animal ally. And all of these practices have potential, perhaps, to bring some healing, some awareness. Like Greg Laurie said, right, when he was taking LSD, the LSD helped him to see, to really see his own misery. Yeah, and of course, then led him to God, to Jesus Christ. In my case, my own experience, I was stubborn because uh, I already mentioned Jesus showed up at least three different times while I was, you know, tripping on various plant medicines. In other words, he was always there for me from an early age, and yet I I could never fully surrender, fully commit to Christ. I called him in. Anyone who knows me well enough knows uh, when I pray, because I don't always pray out loud, but when I do any kind of healing work, whether it's shiatsu, one-on-one, -on -one, now of course sound healing, or in groups, uh, when I'm invoking the angels, I always start with Jesus. I have done so for literally for three decades. And yet, like other hippies who were, like me, to some degree into Jesus, <laughs> what, what we did was we, we put him in a group, a larger group, yeah, along with St. Germain. I still have respect for St. Germain. You know, perhaps other deities, yeah, and thus kind of dampening, you know, 
diluting <laughs> the power of Christ, God. That single-pointed focus on, on the Holy Trinity, which I now know all too well, and I'm forever grateful. Hallelujah. Amen. No, I'm not calling in any other deities anymore. One is enough. One, you're representing the Trinity, God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Is this not enough? <laughs> it's more than enough, in my view. So, I feel that our mission, myself and Kristen, is enormous. I feel there are many young people, again, because I see them, we, we, we witness them all the time here at the Sound Temple in San Marcos. Many are confused. Many are lost, literally lost. And one of the sad things with this mm, confusion uh, I see all too often is a lack of respect for, for their elders. And I get that. When I was growing up, going through the same stages, ex experimenting with drugs and other practices, uh, other spiritual pursuits, Eastern mysticism and shamanism, I already mentioned. Um, I didn't have a lot of respect for, for the elders. However, I, I could still respect some if, if I felt, yeah, this, this person has some, some real wisdom. You know, I, I think I could, I could uh, discern you know, between uh, a man or a woman of, of wisdom, an elder who really has some wisdom, some, something meaningful to share, versus an old, a cranky old person right? <laughs> who has nothing really to offer the younger generations. Now, however, it seems that too often it seems to me that the, the younger generations today have just <laughs> ruled out all the elders across the board, myself included. <laughs> Even with some of our students, people that come to our workshops, and on occasion, yes, in our facilitator training, it can happen that uh, a younger student will, will challenge me in a way that I feel is, is disrespectful, just showing a lack of humility and respect. And it saddens me to, to witness this. And I always try to respond in those moments with empathy. <laughs> You know, not to judge them, not to uh, con confront them in, in a you know attacking way. Of course, I can be sometimes I can be as gentle and, and non-combative as as possible, and still they'll feel that you know that I'm attacking in some way. Such is the nature of the beast. Yeah. So we, we have our work cut out for us, <laughs> for sure. This is why I feel that testimony is so key. Um, for example, I, I recorded recently a series of live presentations. Three, 
one for each of those plant medicine adventures when Jesus showed up to to rescue me. Yes, I call it from from plant medicine to Jesus Christ. And I did a, a, a fourth presentation to sum everything up, to make conclusions. So there's actually four parts to this, all available on our, our YouTube channel. Um, and soon on our, our new website, yes, very excited to announce, we have a new domain, jesuskirtan.com. It's Jesus, J-E-S-U-S-K-I-R-T-A-N dot com. So look for that. Soon we'll be uh, putting it up. Um, very excited. And, and the YouTube channel will probably bear the same name alongside of our School of Nod homepage and YouTube channel. It's our teaching uh, website. And channel. And of course there will be crossover between the two. The good news is we have seen there is a movement already happening. I mentioned the the revivals that were happening recently in the States, not just in the United States. Uh, we, we got some reports from other parts of the world where revivals are happening. I'm sure they're still happening as I speak. Call it the Great Awakening, if you will, the Rapture. And this has all been prophesied, of course, in the scriptures, especially uh, Revelation. Yeah. So I'm going to end here because there's much more we could say. Just again to give a, a broad kind of stroke outline of our mission here at the School of Nod and with Jesus Kirtan. We are here to, to help in every possible way to help those who are struggling, who feel lost, who are looking for meaning, who are looking for comfort, for God. God is right here. You don't have to go to India or Nepal and be initiated under some ancient Hindu deity. I mean, you can do that <laughs> if you really feel called. Um, but our experience has showed us that these types of pursuits can ultimately hinder rather than help in the long run. And I'm also here to say that Christianity is far from boring, <laughs> right? And that's what a lot, a lot of us felt that Christianity was boring church, boring, you know, falling asleep during the sermon. Yeah, some, there are some churches like that still. And that's not what we're about. We're about worship. We're about building a meaningful relationship with God, with Jesus, the Holy Trinity. A living relationship, moment to moment. So yes, a lot of the teachings and practices that, that we both gathered along our search for meaning and for, for spirit are all helpful to some degree yes in realizing God Christ consciousness we love, 
That's our dog, Tara. <laughs> we love to chant. This is what brought Kristen and I together in the first place back in 2017. So yeah, we're celebrating six years this fall. Six years, six magical years. We are bringing our love of the nod, the sound current, now to, to Jesus, to God, to worship. And we've already discovered some beautiful uh, worship music that is being produced and, and shared in the United States and elsewhere. And uh, we're already starting to compose our own worship music. And it's so joyous. So please check it out. If you like what you hear, like, like our YouTube channel, subscribe. You know what to do. Make, you leave a comment, share, please. We want to serve. We're here to serve. This is our, our life mission, really. I never felt more aligned with my sole purpose than I do now. So thank you for listening. Blessed be. Amen. Hallelujah. We thank you for tuning in. Please make sure to subscribe so as not to miss a single episode. We depend on you, our listeners, to build and expand our audience, to share the nod. So, if you like what you hear, please do not hesitate to share with your friends, family, and community. Love coming